0: Welcome to the 10th episode of Big Red Ballers, brought to you by Big Red Sports Network. Our podcast has officially hit double digits. I'm Sohidi Singh, and I'm joined by my co-host, David Opega. Big Red Ballers is the official podcast of Cornell Basketball, covering both the men's and women's teams alternating each week. New episodes will be released every Wednesday that break down recent games and preview the games ahead. Episodes will include exclusive interviews with Big Red players, coaches, and alumni, which you don't want to miss out on. Be sure to follow BRSN on social media at Brsn or on www.cornellbrsn.com. And without further ado, let's get right into the episode. All right, so as you guys know, we are fresh into Ivy season with the men's team this episode. Um, So far, the team is on the road, fresh with two wins and one loss against Princeton, which was a little bit tough to take, 75-68. to David, what are your thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, I know this is the one the guys definitely wanted to have. Uh, Princeton knocked off uh, the playoffs last year, and Princeton's a very good team, something that Cornell was probably expecting to maybe see down the road later. So you always want to be able to get a win off this team. But I think Princeton was a game that really came down to that Princeton just made more shots. And you look at Princeton had two players over – excuse me, four players over 10 points a game. It's five players over 10 points a game, excuse me. And that alone is gonna be hard to compete with, especially you have 15 points come off the bench. You have a player with 20 points, 15 points, when then Cornell only had three points come off yeah. the bench with uh, over 10 points a game. So I think that hurt, but really in the end, I think this was just a game that really came down to just, was just shooting woes. Um Cornell shot twenty excuse me, Cornell shot 37% from three. Uh, and that definitely hurt specifically uh in comparison to Princeton.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And one thing that I find interesting is, I think it was A, just a matter of shots not falling and things not being in our favor. But B, Princeton has the same record as us. And while we have lost to them, they have lost to Brown. And they have yet play Brown in this Ivy season. So I'm interested to see how that comes up because I don't think they were ex- they were expected to get that dub. I think they only won by like two points, I believe. But, you know, disregarding the Princeton loss, I really think that, you know, we've performed very well because really? um, after that, I think that we got tired of that bad taste in our mouth and we went on to Yale and Columbia and absolutely demolished. Yale being 94 to 82 and Columbia being 102 to 85.
1: Yeah, I think Yale I think was a great, phenomenal test. It really showed for our guys because that was a game where the men's team was down in the second half big and they went on a 17 0 run that mm-hmm. got them the lead and they never looked back. And I think it was a really showing testament of the focus, the strength, and the commitment the guys have. Nobs, women, especially, 27 points, phenomenal performance.
0: That's crazy. That was yeah. I, I saw that set and I was like, dang. Yeah, that's he was
1: incredible. Run. And yeah. that run that was a star on defense. I mean, you're holding the team. You will go 17-0 happens sometimes in sports, but taking the team to zero points in a run is incredible.
0: For sure. And, then, and like you you mentioned, getting 17 points off of turnovers. Um, that's one thing that, I you know, for people that may not know much about, you know, Ivy basketball, Yale is known for historically having one of the best defenses in mm. the country. Um, you know they're known for locking teams down and like bleeding them dry and for us to get 17 points off of turnovers alone is ridiculous especially compared to Yale who only had seven points off of turnovers when they're supposed to be a defensively you know fortified team yeah. so I think our fast pace really broke them and also you know you mentioned Nas Williams but we also have you know like stand out guys like Greg Dolan, who scored 14 points, and Guy Rackland Jr., who scored 12. And speaking of Guy Rackland Jr., he's just performed incredibly well during this Ivy season. You know, yeah. if we hit the Columbia dub, he just went crazy.
1: Yeah, as of late, he's played really well. I also want to give some attention to, to um, Chris Manna, of course. Had a good game off the bench, eight points. was Again, he's been a great spark plug off the bench all year. He's had games where he's been sensational. But yeah, I think the biggest thing and you hit right ahead the head was the turnover battle. Um, so Cornell only had eight turnovers compared to Yale sixteen, and that in the end really helped. Cornell shot much better from three. Uh, Yale shooting third percent, shooting forty eight percent from three, mm-hmm. and that in the end won out free throw line. Cornell got to the free throw line thirty four times to, to Yale twenty one. Yeah, so I think this was yeah, exactly. So I think this was just a game where Cornell really just did. Everything, almost everything well in the second half. They started the first half down six, then you go down 15 early in the second half, but to come back to where they did, I think it's a great way, it's something really to hold their hat on. Um, it was going
0: a fun come comeback to watch.
1: Sorry. Yeah, a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, you're good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. And I think it's good that they were able to oddly do the same thing the Columbia game as well.
0: Yeah, like, and I think they did it even worse. Like, I I mean, if you're a Columbia fan watching this or listening, rather, A, how's it feel being the number two school in New York? B, <laughs> how did it feel getting your, like, you know, butt handed to you by our team? Because 102 to 85 in the Ivy, um, tur- like, you know, Ivy playoffs, when you know, it's store like typically Ivy basketball is very close, mm-hmm. and 102 to 85 is crazy, personally. <laughs>
1: Shocking because <laughs> I, I, it was another game that was close to the first half, 42 to 38, but then Cornell blows the way of the offensive explosion in the third quarter. We had four out of the five starters had 10 points more. Guy Raghu Jr. As we talked about, had 14 points off the bench. Something I think was really cool. Chris May had 13 points off the bench. And I think something that's just really good that we have that duo for Ragland Jr. and Chris Mann off the bench, that've been really good for Cornell. Shot forty six percent for three, 84 percent for the field line. It was a tour de force, just in general.
0: Exactly. And also another player that I really think you know deserves some kudos is Isaiah Gray. He also just was an offensive force on the court, driving to the basket. You know, thirteen points um, in that rotation. And another thing, more than just you know, like you know, guys coming off the bench and going crazy with ten plus points, every, all, practically everyone in the rotation who got on the court scored that night.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. That's something that every team would love to have. Almost everyone scored in a blowout win like that. Some of the cool luxury that all the guys they have. I think Columbia and Yale, back-to-back, especially coming off the loss to Princeton, I definitely know the team will want it back with anything. To have those two wins, one where you were able to really show the grit and toughness that a team that's trying to win the Ivy League tournament needs has to have. And another one showing just the really well-run offensive machine the team is. Really good back-to-back win for the team. That I think being four and one now, you're overall have the best record in the Ivy League, talking about Ivy play and non-conference. Tied for first Ivy play. I think this is a perfect place to really just continue the strong one of teams been on.
0: And, I, you know, I can't wait to see what they do with the next few coming games. And also, I, I don't know if you remember, but last episode I was talking mad crap about Yale. So it was really <laughs> sad to see us win, um, especially at Yale in New Haven. Because, you know, honestly, I hate, U- I hate New Haven as a city. So that was kind of satisfying. <laughs> and also, you know, proving our number one school in New York status with that Dove on Columbia.
1: Definitely. Office.
0: But, um, you know, just to wrap it up and move on to our next segment, we have a fresh interview with forward number two Marcus Fillion, the 6'7 co-captain, who is a jack of all trades. Up next, we get to hear from him fresh off the road with two wins.
1: This week's episode of Big Red Balls, is brought to you by Big Red Fueling. Managed by sports dietitian Alyssa Harrington, Big Red Fueling is open five days a week from 2.30 to 4.45 at Martell's Hall, the home of Big Red Basketball. Offering both in-season and out-season athletes, snacks to fuel their performance and recovery. Staff provide valuable knowledge to inform athletes of optimal snack choices based on exercise and personal goals. Follow Big Red Fueling on Instagram, at Big Red Fueling, for infographics about all things sports nutrition, including sports, college-friendly recipes, posts, and pregame suggestions, supplement safety, and much more. So, Marcus, thanks for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So first things first, we all know that you're a captain of the basketball team. So I guess the first question I have for you would be, how have you embraced being captain this year and the responsibility that comes with that?
2: Uh, Just, you know, like my freshman and junior years of seeing our our captains then and just kind of looking at their leadership styles and kind of, you know, the things that they emphasize within the program and, you know, just being an extension of our coaches. It's been a fun kind of learning process to learn the new team this year and kind of the new guys and Bring them up to speed a little bit with the expectations of the program and how we play, but it's been a role that I've embraced a little bit. I like being a captain of this team. I, le- I love our guys, um, our camaraderie on this team, and it's been it's been a pleasure to kind of be in a spotlight a little bit, a little bit of a leadership spotlight for this team and kind of commandeering like how we you know maneuver throughout you know tough times and you know the better times, our peaks and valleys throughout the season. But I really enjoyed being a captain of this team so far, and just look to keep the momentum that we have built rolling.
0: Awesome so then as a senior you've been part of the program for a while now so in what ways has your experience helped you this year and also as you mentioned like just um being captain like previously?
2: Yeah so we kind of had like a pretty tumultuous time since I've been here I wasn't on campus at all my sophomore year and this is it is my senior year but it's only my third season playing for Cornell so just like the breadth of experiences that I've had you know just the an unusual kind of path leading me here um I think it's prepared me very well to you know give a a different perspective to this group's uh this group's kind of like communal aspect of the team and kind of how we proceed to you know gameplay and we're experiencing some success this year and freshman year it wasn't like that so just kind of the transition from you know knowing kind of having a losing season and then trying to mitigate our kind of our just like viewpoints and our our mindset going into games as we're experiencing success
1: yeah, and you're talking about how it's been a successful year, it has. Right now, uh, the team is 4-1 the Ivy play, played, uh, tied for first place. What would you say overall the team's done really well in uh, conference play that's, br- that's really brought this excellent start?
2: Uh, well, you know, we're one of the fastest teams in the country, and I think you're just staying fast, staying fast. I think in the games that we lost, we got away from that a little bit, but just getting back to playing fast and sharing the ball and having fun has uh, definitely been a big key to our success. We press a lot, you know, the entire game. So we force a lot of turnovers and we play together, we sub a lot. So just continuing to play with uh, like our foundational aspects of the program and, you know, staying committed to what the coaches are telling us every day in practice has helped us experience some of the success so far.
0: So then you mentioned fast play and how Cornell has stuck to the fundamentals. Um, how did that help you during the Yale game? Because as many people know, Yale has one of the best def- defenses in the country and your team put up one two. So what was the secret to breaking them apart?
2: Right. So in the Yale game, the first half, we were a little bit stagnant. We didn't play as fast as we wanted to, but then in halftime, my coaches just reiterated the game plan, you know, stay fast, share the ball, just be consistent in the things that we want to do throughout the game. And, it'll come back around um, for us in the second half. And we came out a little bit flat in the second half, but we just continued playing with our energy and playing fast. And we felt off the great home crowd that we had at Newman. So it was really great to be able to pull that win out at home on uh, on national television.
0: So against Yale, the team was down 15 with 12 minutes left. And you mentioned like stagnation at the beginning of the first half. And you guys then went on on a 17-0 run. Um, What sparked that momentum in that second half? I know you touched on it a little bit, but if you could just go into depth.
2: I think we kind of committed to having more energy on defense. We were a little bit flat, you know, not rotating as well. And we didn't have active hands and energy on defense. But once we locked into that part of the game, I think our defensive energy, you know, it uh, acted as a spark plug for our offense. And, you know, the energy shots started going in. The crowd got into a little bit. We started feeding off that and everyone started feeling good. So it was definitely our defense that kind of sparked our, our run on offense.
1: And so that Yale game, I think it was a really impressive win for the team in general. And then you guys just came off a game against Columbia. where That was a game you guys were what, up four by halftime. And then second half, like you mentioned, another offensive explosion. And so I guess I ask, what would you really say spearheaded that one? Where you mentioned where Yale that your defense kind of started that run against Yale. What started that run against Columbia in second half? Yeah, so the Columbia's a
2: really young team, and we knew that going in. They don't play with much fear. In the first half, they were letting it fly, making a bunch of shots, feeling good at home. But I think just coming out in the second half, we just refocused on the game plan and knew that if we executed, we would be in a spot where we wanted to be coming to the end of the game. And we just kind of started zipping the ball around on offense, moving bodies, moving uh, moving people all over the court. And I think it was our offense. We just started to see the ball go in the hoop a little bit and we started to feel good. So it was definitely the offense at Columbia. We put up one oh two, and that was a, a good number for us on the road.
0: So then um as you continue throughout the playoffs and, you know, play more Ivy teams, um, is there anything that you, maybe you personally or even the team as a whole, hope to improve on in the, to make the playoffs and hopefully win the Ivy tournament?
2: So we're a really good offensive team, and I think we know that, but I think coming down the stretch, you know, as we get around to playing each team a second time, and hopefully we make the Ivy Madness tournament in Princeton, uh, we just need to lock in more on defense and rebounding the ball, ending possessions, and so we can end up playing fast and flying the ball down the court and zipping the ball around and making shots and playing as a team on offense. But I think if we we key in on a little bit of uh, our defensive game plan and our rotations a little bit, we'll we'll find the success that we are, we're looking for.
0: So um, you mentioned defense and I just want to touch on your own personal game because you're one of the best defensive players on the team. So what would you say the quote unquote like perfect defense would look like for you on Cornell basketball. Like what play what do you think of when you're on the court and you're like, you know, locked in on an offensive player.
2: Right. So we have our, our defensive game plans, but like things that we preach a lot on the defensive side of the ball are active hands, getting deflections, uh bothering the other team, not letting them just get into their offense and uh just like zip the ball around and make sure that's kind of how we want to play on offense. So I'd say disruption and active hands, like deflections and finishing possessions with rebounds.
1: So, as you guys are now 4-1, and one, you kind of got into a nice flow, trying to keep this hot start, keep this strong pace, going against the rest of Ivy play. I, I can guess probably what the answer to this question is, but is there any team specifically that you guys are kind of focusing on for the immediate future?
2: Um, the immediate future, we're just focusing on Harvard just because they're our next game, but um, personally, I would like to beat Princeton because they ended our season yeah. last year, and there's a little bit of history there, but... Near future, we're focusing on Harvard, trying to improve to five and one with a, a good team that we're going on the road to play. But um personally, I would like to beat Princeton. Princeton's that one that they've gotten us a couple of times since I've been here and
1: it'd be nice to get that one back. Not for sure. I mean, what you guys are four and one. They're tied with all right now. They're the only other one. So that'd be a great one. Really excited to see y'all play them.
2: Right. Yeah. We uh we have that back to back at Penn Princeton in early February. So it'd be nice to get, you know, two road wins at Princeton and at the Palestra. So That'd definitely be definitely. a good road trip to come home to now after.
0: So you mentioned road wins and, you know, just kind of to shift the topic. Um, a lot of people who listen to this podcast don't really know about the home versus road advantage. So what's playing on the road like versus playing at home for you? And which one do you like more? Uh,
2: playing on the road is just a completely different experience, like just from the travel and staying at a hotel, and not sleeping in your own bed every night and having to wake up, having breakfast in an unfamiliar spot. You know, going to an arena where everyone's really against you—it's just the, you know, the 18 guys and the coaches and our our fans that we have with us. But I love playing at home. Um, Newman Arena has had some incredible energy this year. Coming off the Yale game, it was it was packed. We had a great home crowd that kind of brought it, helped us bring it home over the the late stretch of that game. But playing at home in Ithaca has definitely been a privilege that I've uh, had the had the blessing to put the Cornell jersey on for the past four years. But I love playing. I would much prefer playing at home over the road as most athletes would, but the the Newman Arena crowd definitely gives us a boost and a home court advantage that we definitely want to keep building on. Yep.
1: And so we've talked to you and a couple other guys on the team, and we've all heard kind of some common themes, whether it be pace of play, ball movement, some strong defense, and that's really translated from Ivy play to non-conference play back um, earlier last year. So, late last year, I guess, what would you say has been the greatest after this team all year, for this 2022-2023 team? What has been this team's really defining It's calling card?
2: I'm sorry never give up attitude. We've been down uh, big late in some games, like the Delaware game we were down, the Yale game we were down early in the second half, and we just never give up. We know that the way we play it will wear teams down with how fast we play, and pressing every possession on defense, but We all just stay together and stay connected and we never really give up. We never really think that we're out of the game, even when, you know, other people or the opposing team's fans might think we're out of the game or the school board may say otherwise, but we just stay connected and we never give up. We never, ever give up.
0: So then if the team can reach the mountaintop and win the whole tournament, and I know this is kind of a heavy question, but what would that mean for you as a senior in your final year?
2: Uh, it would mean everything, honestly. Just the growth in only three real seasons, four years for three seasons since my freshman year. My freshman year, we were seven and twenty. We've already doubled our win total from my freshman year, so it would just show the the growth as a program, not just individually, but the entire Cornell basketball program. Um, all the support that we've had from so many different directions. It would mean everything to get to the NCAA tournament this year.
0: No, that's so exciting. I'm I'm like also excited to see where the team goes, and you know, good luck to you in the next few games. But, um, you know, kind of moving on away from game related questions, we are, you know, transitioning to our personal segment. So just kind of to go back in time um, and to your fundamentals, what made you get into basketball specifically?
2: So my dad was a college basketball coach, uh, like since I've been alive. My first word was ball. It wasn't mom or dad. <laughs> first word was ball. So I've been around the game my entire life. I've been playing since, you know, I could get a little ball up to a little hoop in my house. So, basketball has been a part of my life since I was born and uh yeah, it was just something I've been immersed in and I've loved since I was able to, you know, say ball for the first time and get my hands on a ball and shoot in a hoop in my room. So, yeah, basketball has been a part of me since I was born and uh, I just I love the game.
0: And I I kind of we've had players come on here who are from quote-unquote basketball families, but, you know, their siblings don't play the same sport, and, you know, we know you have a younger sister, so is she also playing basketball, and is your, would you consider your family, like, a wholly basketball family? What's that like for you?
2: I would definitely consider our, our family a basketball family. My younger sister is a freshman at Stony Brook right now, and she's on the women's team there, and so it's been a cool adjustment to kind of see her, like, her recruitment and how that was, and now she's a freshman, so I've been able to, you know, give her a little bit of insider information as to how college basketball works and how to kind of manage your your mental and your physical aspects of the game uh, throughout the season, because it is a long season, and she's only a freshman, so she has a lot to learn. But it's been cool kind of seeing that process take place for her um, and being a supporter of her. Um, But we are definitely a basketball family through and through, I would say.
1: So ball is life, really, for you, definitely. So I guess a big question I have for you is, so because of that, from birth, did you always want to play college basketball? Or did you, or did it even take time, despite having a basketball background, They take time if you really want to decide, I want to do this collegiately?
2: I did always want to play college basketball. It was always cool, like, you know, being, you know, at my dad's practices as a little kid, just running around with the ball and, you know, on the side court shooting and blah, 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 you know, going to the locker rooms with the teams after the game and waiting for my dad to come out after the games. And giving them a big hug. So it was definitely uh, something that I've been dreaming of since I was a kid and getting here freshman year, it was definitely a dream come true. So I to be at an institution such as Cornell and playing such a, a good basketball league. A lot of people don't really know how good of a, a basketball league the Ivy league is, but it was definitely a dream of mine since I was a kid to, to play college basketball for sure.
1: Yeah, you've definitely made it. And so this is something we like to ask all of the athletes, because I think it's just fun to get inside the athlete's head because everyone that played sports at some point looked up to somebody. So were there any NBA or even college players that you looked up, you looked up to or modeled your game afterward growing up?
2: So growing up, I was projected to be 6'10". I'm 6'7", so I didn't <laughs> quite reach there. But growing up in the early 2000s, my favorite player was Dwight Howard. And that was why I wore 12 for a while. Yeah, when he was on the the Magic. So a yeah. little bit of a, a different aspect. But like I guess as I grew up a little bit, started to watch the NBA more, my favorite player became Kevin Durant. Just how he played and how he carried yeah. himself. And he was just elite in so many different ways. And He's just a killer. So Kevin Durant was definitely my, I would say still is my favorite NBA player for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, just to transition from the collegiate athlete side, we always like to talk about, you know, what it's like being a Cornell student athlete. So we know that you've been a co-founder and president, president of Saratoga Free Fridge for the last two years. Could you tell us a little bit about exactly what that is and what it means to you and how it's played into your academic and athletic life at Cornell?
2: Yeah, definitely. So it was a cool initiative. Actually, my girlfriend came with the idea of, she came up with the original idea. She just wanted to, there was a, not a homelessness problem, but you, we see homelessness people, homeless people, excuse me, um, just in the community. And it, it always hurts not being able to help in more ways than one. Um, and she came with the idea and I was there to, you know, I was supportive in every way possible. And I believe it was May of 2021, we first established our refrigerator. Um, and since then it's grown tremendously. We've had a a create community studio that was located right across the street came in. It was a uh, a teenage group of high schoolers. They came and painted the refrigerator. And just yesterday, Congressman Paul Tonko uh, was able to donate to the fridge on MLK Day because my my girlfriend was in the the area hosting a couple of events. So it's been a fantastic way to kind of connect with the community and kind of fill a void and fill a need that that helps people. And we've been able to kind of get to know some of the people that will come to the refrigerator and take. You know, whether it be a bottle of water, you know, personal care products. Um, a lot of times in the summer when we're restocking the fridge, we'll run into people or kids who will be walking out from summer camp. So we've learned, uh, we've gotten able to, to kind of learn their names and meet with their families and kind of see what their their everyday life looks like. So it's been a, a blessing and a fantastic opportunity for us to kind of foster more of a, a community uh, feeling in Saratoga.
0: No, that's really honestly that strikes a personal chord with me because um my hometown has a severe homelessness problem. Yeah. And, um, we have soup kitchens everywhere, but one thing that people don't realize is like the importance of refrigerated food, especially for like children. So honestly, that's awesome to hear. I'm really glad that you've done something like that, and yeah. Thank <laughs> you.
1: No, it's amazing. Like my dad grew up in the Bronx, New York, and we visited there a couple of years ago, and told me how it changed like 30 years. You had broken windows under the belt. So now nah, that really cool. It's really something special. And the reason why I'm in ILR. And so, so when ILR to another, <laughs> did ILR in any way help you build that such a program or really just in any way in your desire to try and help and outreach?
2: I think it did just, you know, coming from ILR, it's a smaller community. It's, I, I believe it's the smallest uh, college yeah. at Cornell. So you get to know people on a more intimate level. Um, And just kind of coming from that like communal aspect, I really enjoyed the communal aspect of ILR. It was just something I wanted to continue to try to build back at home, Uh, that sense of community. Community is a big word um, that we kind of strive to build and achieve and foster. So definitely, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really important what you're talking about the need to try to build that community from ILR back home. And we know you did a lot of volunteering back in high school, whether it be with basketball, youth camps, did the programs. I even did a basketball, like, we programs, helping kids with some fundamentals, jumping drills, little shooting games, whatnot. So what role is volunteering taking you in your personal journey at Cornell? and How has that impacted you as you grow up?
2: I've been volunteering for as long as I can think. Uh, just seeing how my dad, like, they would have a lot of uh, volunteer, like, programs and kind of initiatives. Um, they'd work with different, uh, you know, programs and houses, whether – depending on the school that he was at. Um, and volunteering has definitely been a big part of my life in high school. My high school coach was my father's college coach. Wow. And he's known me since the, he was one of the first people to know that I was born on the day I was born. So just uh, working at like high school camps, uh, fostering that sense of community, uh, being a, a mentor in a straight shooters uh, mentorship program throughout high school, uh, being a part of like a Red like cross club. And now, being the co-founder of the Saratoga Free Fridge, it's all come kind of full circle and volunteering and just seeing how many people's lives we can try to positively impact on a day-to-day basis.
0: No, that's really nice to hear that you did that in high school and I understand that, you know, in you continued that at Cornell. And so to move away, like, you know, touch on other extracurriculars curriculars that you did, we also wanted to ask you, like, you're a Cornell Tradition Fellow. So why did you become a fellow and what exactly does that mean? And also what role has it played in your life here at Cornell on top of, you know, the fridge?
2: Um, it's just a bit another, like a different kind of aspect of volunteering. I'm just kind of trying to foster a greater sense of community within Cornell because there's so many people that love Cornell and there's so many people that are on campus on a day-to-day basis, trying to just grow and spread the tradition of Cornell and kind of the volunteering aspects and foundations that the school has, um, where any person can come and study anything. So uh, definitely being a traditions fellow, it's been it's helped me it helped me immerse myself within the Cornell community as a freshman. And up until now, it's uh, definitely been a, a big part of my experience here and something that I wouldn't have traded for anything.
0: So we always touch on this with um, our athletes, and I just wanted to you know um, bring this up. So how do you balance not just academics but also you know your volunteering with you know athletics?
2: I'm a big schedule guy. I love to have things scheduled. So uh, it just helps me kind of figure out like where I have time to volunteer and where I have time to study and where I have time to, you know, go to practice to get extra shots in. But um, it's been a little bit of a challenge. Just You know, it's a transition coming from high school to college, especially with how rigorous the academics can be here and how much time we spend away from campus a little bit with with basketball from November to, to March. But it's been a a challenge I've kind of embraced. Um, time management is definitely something that I think everyone can be a little bit better at, even if they struggle to admit it. But um, it's been a challenge, but it's something that I've embraced.
0: Are you a Google Calendar person?
2: I am a Google Calendar guy. Oh my yeah. God.
0: There, I, there's this running joke in like the Edge school that ILRs love Google Calendar.
1: Yeah, for sure. I use Google Calendar. <laughs>
0: No, or like I've gotten Google Calendar links from only ILREs. so I, that's kind of funny. And then uh, kind of touching off of that, if you could give an incoming or current freshman one piece of advice, whether it's in about academics and athletics or, you know, anything in general, what would it be?
2: Um, that's a good question. I would say just get to know the people around you. It can be something as simple as, you know, sit down in class first day freshman year and you introduce yourself to the person sitting to your left and to your right, because you never know. Come down the line how you know friends may impact your time here your time after once you graduate Um, but the people that you surround yourself with definitely are the biggest part of your experience here i think for sure
1: yeah and we've talked to a couple of people would be the men's or women's team they've all mentioned how important family is and how much they miss the family and now we know you live relatively to average student closer to home mm. So how is that – has that made the transition easier just to so it's easier to see your family, to walk come to a game, kind of that kind of a deal?
2: I definitely think it's made it easier. You know, it's just – it's different seeing how – you know, we have guys on the team from California, from Texas, from all over the country. So it's like when I see my mom at the game and then they may not have family at the game, it's just, you know, that that travel distance is it's big for them. So especially if you're a freshman, I can see how that, that may be a big adjustment being away from family – for such a, a long period of time. Um, but it's definitely, I think, helped being a little bit closer to home, just seeing my mom at games and you know, being able to go home for fall break and Thanksgiving break and Christmas break, even if it's for a couple of days, but uh, just being able to be closer to my family is something I've definitely valued a lot.
1: Yeah, and so this is when we asked all of our upperclassmen at the end of, this, of our set question segments. Um, where do you see yourself after Cornell? Where are your postgraduate plans?
2: My postgraduate plans are, As the COVID uh, pandemic, it canceled my sophomore year. So we have an extra year of eligibility that I'm definitely looking to use and graduate and transfer somewhere and hopefully get my MBA after this year. So that's definitely my graduate plan. I'm not quite sure where yet. I'll probably start to look more once the season's over because that's where my focus is now, but um, definitely to graduate and transfer and use my last year of eligibility.
1: Thank you, Marcus, for answering our questions. You're not only a great basketball player, you do a great work as a two-leader on the team, but I at least personally think that your most stunning and crowning achievement is everything you do off the court, just for communities. But we're going to take a quick break and be back with the overtime segment right after this.
0: All right. Welcome to Overtime, a round of fast-paced, fun questions. Marcus, are you ready?
2: I am ready, yes.
0: All right, so our first question, which has been, you know, meaning to sell, settle a debate um, oh Louis or nasties?
1: Nasties, definitely nasties. Come on, there you go. Thank you, Marcus. Good job, brother.
0: <laughs> I just start slipping you guys like $1 bills to like, say Louis, so I don't have to deal with David afterwards. But...
1: Hi, <laughs> right, so you live right outside of Albany. What would you say like the best place like to visit or even eat around town? Where are you from?
2: Okay. So if you remember juice from last year's team, there was, there's this place called Bellini's Italian eatery. And my best way to describe it is like it's Chipotle, but for pasta. (laughs)
0: Sounds
2: good. It's yeah. It's like you have pasta options, sauce options, like protein options, veggie options, cheese. Like it's, it's very good. If you ever are in the Albany area, that'd probably be the first place I recommend you go eat.
0: Nice. So then coming back to Cornell, what's your favorite Cornell tradition?
2: It's not more so. It's not a tradition necessarily, but I love just like playing it in front of like the home crowd here. Like they give us a sense of energy, and like it's not a tradition. I know it's a little bit corny, it but counts. definitely just definitely playing it. in front of our home crowd. Definitely playing in front of home
1: crowd. All right. So, is, if you go one v one, any player on the women's team? Who are you cooking?
2: I believe in my abilities, so I would say it doesn't matter. Damn, I, think I win regardless. I think I win regardless That's on crazy. our team too. It doesn't matter, men's or so women's so, team. I think so I guys. Men's it.
1: or women's? Okay, so if you could pick anyone, on the men's team, like specifically, you got you want to cook someone. Who do you want to cook?
2: I would say Nas because Nas talks a lot of trash in practice and after practice and little like shooting games and free throw <laughs> games. And, but yeah, Nas definitely talks a lot of a lot of trash. So definitely Nas. I appreciate you.
0: Um, what's your favorite NBA team?
2: Knicks, unfortunately.
1: Oh Lord, I'm sorry.
2: not doing too bad this year. Not not doing too bad this year, but Knicks, the, the New York Knicks. Yep.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yikes. I'm a Hawks fan, so that kind of hurts me. Yeah,
1: bro, I share <laughs> your pain. I share the Knicks' pain, man. It's, it's never a fun year. It's bare this year, but it's going to end up... I it's never you. a fun year.
2: You always expect some sort of disappointment, whether it be a playoff disappointment or not even making the playoffs, but it's always yeah. something with the Knicks. It's
0: always exactly. something with the Knicks. <laughs> okay, so another fun question. If you had to go on Dancing with the Stars with any of your teammates, who would you choose and why? <laughs>
2: I would choose That's a good question. I would choose Sean. Sean has really good footwork and body control for how big he is. Mm, Definitely Sean. Sean.
0: What kind of dance are y'all doing?
2: Salsa. Spice it up a little bit. (laughs) Salsa. Can you salsa? (laughs) Not really, but I'll figure something out by the time we have to we have to pull something out.
1: No, I'll take the class that semester. i I'm I'm am going gonna learn I'll teach y'all for sure. You're taking a dancing class this semester? I'm taking yes, I'm taking salsa, bro.
0: Wait, you're taking you're taking the salsa class?
1: Yes, I'm learning. That's crazy. I'm wearing salsa. See, you know what you, you ain't gonna judge me. All right, describe Penelope <laughs> in three words. <laughs> um
2: fun cold. Third word, fun, cold, close-knit.
0: Gotcha. All right, what's your favorite junk food?
2: Haribo gummy bears, by far. If you, Yeah, it was quick. If you give me a, like, I will destroy a bag of Haribo gummy bears. Is there a color you close-knit. don't like in the bag? No, I love every color. It doesn't matter the color.
1: Dang. Man,
0: all right.
1: All right, Ah, Okay. If you have a cockroach show up in your room, what are you doing to it?
2: Finding the first shoe I can. Thank you. You're killing it. Yeah, there you go. first First shoe shoe I can. can. (laughs) All
0: right. If it's any other insect, though, would you let it outside?
2: No. Probably not. If it was a ladybug, I don't think I would kill a ladybug.
0: Okay, but, like, a spider, though.
2: Yes, spider's gone. Yeah.
0: Uh, Y'all kill spiders? Yes. It's
2: it's good for our
0: planet, man. Come on. Just... Scoop them up and throw them outside. All right. If you could eliminate one of the Cornell schools, which one would you choose and why? And just as a reminder, that's ILR, Hotel, Engineering, Arts and Sciences, CALS, Human Ecology, and Architecture and Planning.
2: I'd probably say Architecture and Planning just because I know the least about it, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Like I spent four years here and still don't really know much about the Architecture and Planning School.
0: Because you don't see any of their students.
2: No, but I mean, one of my roommates actually, Chukes, who's another, he's in that program, but I just don't, I still don't know much about it at all.
1: Yes, all right. So, who's one player on the team that you want to see do a stand-up comedy routine? There are a couple guys that would be good at it.
2: I think DJ would be good at it. <laughs> I think Nas would be good at it. See, DJ got an immediate rack. I think DJ would be great. DJ at it. is funny. I DJ, DJ is, is funny. DJ probably has a lot of dad jokes that he could pull. DJ out. is funny boy. Yep. I think Nas would be got it. I think oh, man. there are a lot of characters on the team, but I definitely think DJ and Nas would be would be two really good candidates for for it.
0: All right. So next question is: Who has the best ox in the locker room?
2: Me, definitely think me. Would you playing? A little bit of everything. A little bit of little
1: everything. everything. Oh, Damn. okay. So we talk about different genres? You talk about different different artists?
2: Different genres, different artists. Kind of feeling, just playing off the mood, I guess. Come in the early morning in the locker room, see what the mood is. Kind of put something different on before the game. Put something different on. Trying to get the blood pump and energy up. But a little bit of everything. Pull out a little bit of everything.
1: Okay, I got you. So If you were to play uh, any sport other than basketball, what sport would it be? This is going to be a little,
2: I would say lacrosse. I played lacrosse growing up, and it was, like, a little bit of a different kind of sport, like, getting into it. Um, I remember the very first college lacrosse game I watched at the time. I'm not sure if the record's been broken, but it was the longest college lacrosse game of all time. And that kind of got me hooked into the sport. And, like, yeah, it was been a, like, learning about the history of the game um, and then getting into it. It was a really fun sport, like, that I started playing. I stopped playing because I started playing AU in the spring, but definitely lacrosse because our lacrosse team is very good, too
1: lacrosse cool don't nice. hear that much
0: yeah um if you were chosen for the hunger games who on your team would you bring with you from your district to be your ally
2: sean again i think he's like just too resourceful with like such little resources i feel like he would be he'd be a good uh he'd be a good candidate he's in the engineering school i'm not sure if that would help me but <laughs> he'd be a good candidate
1: All right. This is the biggest question yet. Who do you like more, me or Sahini? I'm not going to answer that question. I thought
0: it was (laughs) going to happen. Sorry. We stuck that in there as a full joke. Like we put that in the questions every time and we never ask it. And this is our first time asking that question.
2: I can't be that divisive on my first time on. All right.
0: I didn't expect David to actually ask it, but <laughs> <it's cool. laughs> next question of um, what is your favorite place to study on campus?
2: Um, I study in the locker room a lot. It's like a weird kind of place to study, but like late nights, I'll go back to the locker room when it's kind of quiet and empty and no one's really in there. And we have couches and like study areas and things like that. But I study in the locker room quite a bit.
0: Nice. All
1: right. And our final question for you. Um so awesome ILR, because of course, you know, best school. What's your uh. school is your favorite?
2: Wait, can you ask that again? I'm sorry.
1: Are you good? Uh after ILR, what school is your favorite? School is my favorite. After ILR.
2: i would say human ecology because it's like it's a cool kind of school to me, I think. It's like I don't know things that they learn and we had Darius is human ec major, so probably human ecology.
0: Gotcha. That's gotcha. like I never hear anybody talk about that school. I mean, my roommate's in it, but besides her I haven't like really met anybody. So that's interesting.
2: I think it's tucked away a little bit, it's like where it is on campus. Like not Mm like it's accessible, but it's not like it's really ILR where it's right on Tower Road or anywhere like that. But yeah, I I don't know what Hebrew is. is. But but it's kind of a cool little major, just like the things that they learn and how they apply it and like their professions and things like that.
0: Yeah. I'm jealous of their building because after seeing the Enge quad and then walking over there, I want to cry.
2: I mean ILR is like one building that's like our entire school yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't even barely
1: even have like a quad It's like,
0: yeah. but it's like pretty <laughs> though like you have like a cute little library and stuff i go into the <laughs> engineering like, it's just like depression
1: we got like nice, one man. room in a basement we got a room the basement the library that is our school for real
0: that's true it is kind of small but yeah anyways thank you for coming on the podcast we really appreciate it
1: no thank you guys for having me thank you so much man of course Great to hear from our players. Um, Marcus had an incredible story. It was a lot of fun to hear from him.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, I think he really offered valuable insight into the life of, you know, what it means being a student athlete at Cornell. I don't think we really get to touch on the student aspect that much, so it was nice to hear. But, you know, back to the athlete part, we do have um, some exciting Ivy games coming up.
1: Yeah, so Cornell's been playing Harvard on the 21st and then Brown the 28th, which I think... Which is two big games really because we've talked a lot about Cornell's incredible start, four and one being first in Ivy league play, but it's still early. So you don't wanna lose two games where you're four and three and now it's a little shaky. Now some games late are more important because you're now risking not even making the playoffs. So I think if you at least get to five, six and one, maybe five and two, still keep being the top of the I League play, I think it's gonna be a really important stretch to kinda of finalize that spot for Cornell.
0: I agree. And I think what it really comes down to is especially for Harvard is locking down, you know, Chris Ledlum, who averages, you know, nineteen points per game. And we also have to keep in mind that Harvard is not just their best player. They also have five players that score at least seven points per game consistently.
1: Yeah, I think the thing with Harvard is that they are really top heavy. Like that drop off from nineteen to yeah. seven. And well, yeah, like he mentioned, they have five points average of about seven points a game. That drop off, at least to me, I'm not sure what he was. Would really shows that you have a team that relies a lot on one player or a lot of their offense because one player. And he, I think, believe he over that team in rebounds, like so it rebounds the game as well. So he is there. He's a the hard soul. He's the core of that team. So Grinnell does a great job, like it has recently defensively, and is able to key on him and forces Harvard's other players to beat them. I think. It'll be a really good chance, especially because Harvard's not exactly a great shooting, three-point shooting team as well.
0: And I don't think they're particularly enduring either, especially compared to Cornell.
1: Because I feel
0: like because of the fact that our basketball is fast and also punishing on, you know, our opponents – We, A, will be able to tire them out and B, you know, when the other team gets tired and they get their starters get put on the bench, we definitely can compete. Our bench players are definitely much better than many of the, you know, second string um, players in the rest of the the tourney. I think that's one thing that I find really like awesome is we are not top heavy and everybody plays a significant role when they come on the court. Like, it's really nice seeing, you know, people coming on and off the bench and, you know, dropping buckets.
1: Yeah, that's actually an excellent point about the bench um, depth and really how our bench is a lot better. I think, I, I truly think Chris Mann start on a lot of these teams Yeah, and so I think having that guy, he, him and Guy Ragnar Jr., they even got that Max Watson to come off the bench and provide output is really important especially for the team and I think in a game like this, like Harvard, as I mentioned before, they're so top heavy. This is a game where once you get a couple of subs in, like you mentioned, because we're going to be playing fast, you'll get tired. That's a game that Cornell's bench can really win for them.
0: And you make a good point, and I just want to like reiterate this. Like you, you definitely you know pound, pounded it um, home, but I really just want to go back and touch on it. Is the fact that there are we have players, younger players that are coming, or like you know people with less experience who are coming off the bench. Who would be starting at other schools? Yeah, which is you know my like not. I mean, it's it's a very like perspective altering thing to think about because it really puts into perspective like the amount of talent and skill that we have um in our arsenal.
1: Definitely now, there's nothing to take lightly. You got some really really talented guys. I mean, things that should not definitely be uh, unappreciated. And we talking about Brown who they played on the twenty eighth. I think that's another game that, honestly, Cornell should handle pretty easily. I think it's another thing I play point lightly, but I don't think Brown would be as big of a game as Princeton a little earlier in the year.
0: Well, I agree with that, but I also do want to point out that Brown – and, again, I, this, I may be giving them too much credit, what, like, bringing this up again, but I feel like they have more grit than other teams give them credit for, especially considering that, you know, they pulled through and beat Princeton. Very true. Really- Princeton is, you know, got one game on their loss like like loss list right now.
1: That's so, a, that's a good point. Definitely, it's to take note that team will fight. A team has a chance to shock you. Will go at you.
0: Yeah, and if, that's what I think. And sorry, I, that's what I think is like a little bit jarring. Is I don't think there's, you can't really, you don't really know what to expect because, like, yeah, they're two and three, but also part of that too, is Princeton, who is you know at the top of the roster currently.
1: Yeah, so I think. I think Brown, like you, like you mentioned, definitely good. Do not take him lightly because this team could beat you. But I think this is something that Cornell, I mean, Brown has three pl- three players every 10 points a game, which is respectable, good. But after that, the a will drop off points wise. This team is uh, all right. Three point shooting team respectable. So it's not like Harvard. So I think this team definitely to close out some shooters. But I think overall, as top of four, I think Cornell has a really strong roster, stronger than a lot of. And when we talk about our first episode ever, how the preseason re- ranking that they didn't have Cordell in the playoff spot, I think yeah. kind of just goes to show that cordell has got a really talented roster that people yeah. did not expect to have. They're not supposed to see. I mean, a lot of guys got better in the summer, mm-hmm. and I think this team really has the tools to go big.
0: Oh, and I think you and I talked about that. It was I, I remember our first episode. We like we compared our rankings to the uh, like Ivy League power rankings. Yeah official ones and i saw cornell at the at like six i think six or seven and i was like there's no way that that could be real like there's no way somebody made that list and would put cornell that far at the bottom so it's really nice to see you know our team proving people wrong and you know i'm just really excited to see where they go
1: thanks for listening to this week's episode i hope you enjoyed stay tuned for next week we'll be calling the women's team january 25th we are fifth interview women's team so definitely something to look forward to Please share with your friends and family and follow the podcast on your platform. These two things help us grow the podcast and publicize Cornell Sports the most. Once again, you can follow Big Red Sports Network on Instagram at CornellBRSN or reach us at www.cornellbrsn.com. Special thanks to our producers, Matthew Furman, Gabe Zola, Jake Klein, and the stellar Uma Comfort, and the rest of the BRSN team. I'm David Pega,
0: And I'm Suhini Singh.
1: I'll see you next week.
0: Go Big Red!